Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the last podcast. I hope this message finds you well. As many of you know, we took a break from our show for a few months, but now we are back and ready to dive back into the world of technology and all things related. I would like to take a moment to thank you, our loyal listeners, for your continued support. Your passion and enthusiasm for our show is what keeps us going, and we are thrilled to have you back with us once again. We have been working hard behind the scenes to bring you even more engaging and truth-provoking content, and I'm confident that you are going to love what we have in store for you, whether you are a tech enthusiast or just curious about the latest developments in the, in, in the industry, the last podcast has something for everyone. So sit back, relax, and get back ready for a journey into the current age world of technology. We are excited to be back and can't wait to share our insights or and perspectives with you once again. Thank you for being part of the last community, and we look forward to sharing our passion for technology with you in months in the months ahead. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the dark side of company loyalty. One of the questions that I have for the audience is, are you selling your soul for a job? As many, as many of you know, everybody is seeking for new opportunities due to recent major layoffs or a desire to explore different professional paths. It is crucial to consider what factors are most important in making a successful transition, whether it be a specific job requirements or company culture. Identifying and prioritizing these key considerations can greatly help you in your job search and ensure that your next career move aligns with your professional goals and values. So now be prepared to listen to our conversation. What's up, Will? Now it's uh, I think it's a, a first opportunity that we have for recording our first podcast, and I think it's gonna be the, uh, for the first episode we have to introduce ourselves just to kind of like get the people that is gonna listen to us is gonna see who who is you and who is me, and just try to start getting start getting more. Uh, excited about this and see what else we can share to the audience with the stuff that we know. But just uh, just for the purpose of getting to know each other, like, can you describe yourself and how do you, uh, how do you, uh, how can you describe yourself? Uh, I mean, my YouTube handle is fat white guy. <laughs> and that's how I describe <laughs> like myself. Uh, you know, sort of a mostly self-taught DevOps engineer slowly going crazy father of two yeah that's pretty good and you're working as a devops engineer right yeah uh been in the devops field for two two and a half years now maybe loving it thus far <laughs> okay sounds good well for my side i will say the the same thing that i'm a devops engineer I'm currently also mentoring people at Solid Community College just by doing web development and something that we have been doing it for the past, I would say, seven years. So I think we have a little bit of leverage of what we can say just because we can help others, just because we are being in the tech and technical industry for a little bit. But 
I think the idea of doing the podcast is just to help others with uh, any any technical resources and also to try to teach other people about software engineering, DevOps, site reliability, uh, design, because we also have been involved with different teams where we have to help other individuals from uh, from our current jobs or from many other positions that we have previously. But I think the most important thing, important thing that we have to catch up with other people just for, for the audience is just that this podcast is the general purpose of the podcast is just going to be the uh, technologies and anything related to the tech industry. So one episode can be dif- way different from others just because we have many different ideas. And I think this is the first one where just we just want to get uh, we just want to get this released and try to see what else we can do to to help others especially because the tech industry is a little bit difficult to get in and what do you think yeah i mean I, anything that anybody can learn or benefit from the difficulties that we faced <laughs> trying to break into the tech industry you know specifically getting out of like we started in tech support and then making our way into engineering roles and like navigating that transition, just breaking in can be really tough. So um, I definitely want to try to save people any of the difficulties that I went through. Yeah, because I believe we start at the same time we started in structure. I feel that we can discuss it really well because we got involved too much into technical support, getting to know the first things about APIs, web development, Python, scripting, and I feel that technical support is not necessarily the, one of the best positions that you can start in the tech industry, but I feel that it's one of the positions that can lead you to, to the next area that you want to work on. And it's maybe not going to be necessarily something that you will know exactly what, what you're going to be able to accomplish or what you're going to be able to do, but that's, that's going to be a thing that we have to recognize that tech support is going to help us in some sort of way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it definitely helped me in that it, it got me back into technology because I had been working in retail for years and my hobbies were all music related and outdoors related. <laughs> you know, uh, I was, I was pretty out of practice with computers. So, um, getting into technical support was a, yeah, Just a step and, for me out of factory work and into. <laughs> but, but for example, the, if you th- if you think back like six years or seven years ago, how do you think is the best? Like if you can talk to yourself, like for the will that it was seven years ago, what can you say to to will how to start in the technical industry? What do you think you can break in and <laughs> doing it better than you did already? Go faster. <laughs> um, yeah, by the time I got into tech support, I had already realized I wanted to like learn how to code. I took a class just offhand and realized that's the direction I wanted to go. Um, I might say, suck it up and finish your degree, you idiot. <laughs> um, just because I was already in a degree program and then... Uh, I don't know. I let overtime and trying to feed kids and stuff get in the way, but maybe yeah, I find it. Yeah, I think by having kids, is a, it was a little bit challenging for me too because I had at the time that I tried to break in into the tech industry, I had I had three kids. So, and the worst thing for me was that I was learning how to speak in English. 
because I yeah. didn't know any English. So for me, it was pretty, pretty difficult just because of that. So, so getting to know a different language, coming to a different country where you don't know anyone, you don't know what to do for work. And I just work at the kitchen at a restaurant just because that was, the, for me, it was the only option because people were like, oh, you can work in construction, you can start making money. But like, dude, I'm really bad at <laughs> working those type of jobs. So it was not a decision for me like, oh yeah, let's do construction and let me figure it out later what I want to do. So I, I started working in the kitchen 40 hours a week, 50 or 60 hours a week, depending on the week. And I was full-time student. I feel <laughs> that I didn't even enjoy my kids as much as I, I wanted in their first years. But I feel that it's something that got me excited to be able to do something else. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I never really considered all those factors, I think, because I, I realized that you were in a new country, like learning the language and also having your sights set on breaking into the tech industry, which doing those two things at the same time was hard enough. But like full-time student and like the emotional burden of fatherhood and trying to balance all that and be with your kids. That's man, yeah. that's tough. Yeah, so that, tough. You know, those pressures and like navigating that, I think is why you want so badly to help people, you know? Yeah. And I, right. and I think it's, it's more because of that, because I feel that the struggle, I don't feel that anyone that is struggling should be struggling in the same way that I did, or maybe you did just because we already know how to break in. And how to do things better in in such a way that we don't have to repeat the same struggles. Like if if I can if I can skip the the problems for someone else, would I would totally do that just because the struggle that I that I had before it was pretty challenging for me, and I feel that that makes me feel more um how do how do you say like. It, it makes me feel a little bit more strong when it, when it comes to find opportunities, just because a lot of people was mean to me, because a lot of people was like, you have an accent. Every time that I applied for a job, it was like, you have an accent. And for me, it was like, you have an accent too, you know? And, and, you it, know, was, and it was funny. For the audience, like I was the one talking to him like the day after these interviews would happen. And like, yeah, he said, people aren't going to be able to understand me. Like, what? I know how to do the work, you know, like. And it's, he's not exaggerating at all. That literally happened more than once. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the funny part is that that is same struggle that I had before it was, is, is more for me right now. Like if I can help anyone to get into the tech industry, I will help as much as I can just because I know, I know that a lot of people is gonna, is gonna struggle in many different ways, not because of the language. Maybe because of the resume, because they don't know how to write really well resumes. Maybe because they don't know how to design a resume. Maybe because they are not really good communicators. And at the time that they are having interviews, they are just having a lot of issues at the same time. And all those issues combined, if you combine all of those issues, it's going to be what it means for anybody. It's going to be less opportunities for them. But yeah. But one one of the first steps that I always think about, like how how to break in into the tech industry for me is trying to be different, try to be different in such a way that you can you don't have to write the same resume as many other people because you can you can notice in the, in the tech industry like 
or the people that we talk every single day, the majority of them, they're going to tell you, oh, you have to have a resume in such a way that is going to be the same as many others. But how you are going to create an impact to people is just by designing or trying to do some other skills that you have and combine those skills with the, with the stuff that you are going to try to do next. For example, for me, it was design. Design for me is something that I feel that I can, I can tell you a good story by doing some design and at the same time by building my resume and building my portfolio and building all that stuff. I feel that is the way that I can express myself and that I can tell others that I know what to do. But it, it depends, of course. Well, I think that's, that's a good point. Like whatever makes you, you like lean into that. Like don't, don't try to carbon copy and be like every other engineer out there. Cause that, that junior engineer job, that, uh, that first step into the tech world is going to be difficult. It's probably going to be competitive, uh, especially with the, the market downturn. There's been a few layoffs. So there's a little competition for the jobs, but the, the people who are hiring don't want carbon copies. They don't yeah, want and- 15 of the same resume you have to pick. They want you to share what makes you unique <laughs> for sure. So that they can look at it and be like, Hey, I, you know, just first impression. I like this resume. I like how it's laid out. I like what's in it. You know, so say so I put you, whatever makes you, you get it in there. Stand and, out. And, what, and in your experience, how do you think it's easy to learn a programming language? Um, because a lot of people, I think, what, I, oh, sorry, I, think okay. I think a lot of people believe that they can, uh, that they have to memorize everything, but I don't, I don't feel that it's necessary. To learn oh no. Yeah. Everything. Google is your friend. As an engineer in the industry, you will be spending a large amount of time searching for the answers. I mean, for two reasons. One is you can't memorize everything. You can't know it all. Like something that you haven't touched in six months is going to be kind of vague in your memory. You're going to need to look it up, even if you've done it before. And then the other reason is most problems, somebody else has already solved it. So don't waste months and months trying to come up with some clever solution, like search, build off of the things that somebody else has already done, and then solve the part of your problem that makes it uniquely whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and don't I, be afraid to search. <laughs> I, I think I think it's most of that because that one of the one of the parts that drives me crazy a little bit is when people is like when they ask you like what do you do for for living, and I'm like well I'm a computer science, I'm a computer guy. And they're like oh then you are such a smart guy, and and just like yes I'm a smart, but it doesn't mean in the way that you are thinking it because people think that we. We memorize everything and that we know everything from our memories and that we can remember everything, but it's just like, it's not that. It's just, we know how to search on Google. We know how to find things. Because even if you don't find the solution, sometimes you have to ask questions in a Stack Overflow. You have to go to GitHub discussions. You have to find blogs where they are talking about uh, the thing that you are missing or the thing that you're not doing right. And you write it down, you express your concern, you express the problem, and some other people is going to try to help you out. It, it doesn't mean that they're going to help you out at the same minute or at the same time, but the answer may be coming on the next day or two days. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a whole world of engineers out there, most of whom are willing to help out. So. And it, which is crazy because I feel that is the only the only industry that the only field that is that is able to do that. I don't know if that makes sense. I feel that other fields are more like to the knowledge that I know is what I'm gonna be doing, but I I they are not exactly sharing. But in the tech industry, I feel that a lot of people is willing to help. Yeah, and and we're connected. Like most of the day, we're at a computer, um, so it's convenient. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I, I don't know. I think it might be part of why it happened. You know. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, and the, the other the other thing that I have uh, in my in in my head right now is all the all the people that is getting trying to get into the tech industry. And that is also getting scared by the, all the layoffs that are happening right now. Because, for example, I think Google and Amazon are uh, giving layoffs and it's 10,000 for each company. And they just barely started like yesterday, I think. Oh, they're doing more, huh? Yeah, they're doing more. But but I feel that, I don't know how do you feel about that, but in my, in my belief, I feel that they are hiring a lot of people when they get, when they get the money and the first quarter second quarter or third quarter of the year and i feel that a lot of people a lot of ceos they just get excited about the projects that they can do with all the money that they're receiving and they're over hiring a lot of staff members like oh, there's some of that where they have a lot of tech, tech support people yeah it and there's definitely a lot of factors that go into it um Maybe it's a little bit off what you were talking about, but when you asked what I thought of it, it's like, it, I, I know it's going to make certain jobs more competitive for a while, but it's not like there aren't jobs out there. So I'm not even, I guess, technically in the tech field anymore right now or the, the information technology field. I'm working for a solar company now, like solar energy. So, um, and I, I guess put some context on that. The company I was working for, uh, a small tech company shut down in August. So uh, all of us lost our jobs. We had a week of runway. So I was one of those Q3 layoffs last year. <laughs> um, yep. I shifted to a new industry, a company that was in a different position than uh, kind of like software driven type tech companies are. Um, their market outlook was better. So I shifted there, you know. But then, but then what you're saying is that we should be open to hear more opportunities and many different different roles that we can apply to, right? Yeah, and that you know that's something that uh, that's a thought process that I have now because of you. Actually, <laughs> I always just you know I mean you, you, one job you took was for a fence company, right? Yep. But it's like it was the job. It's it's the role you're trained for, and it was uh, you know who cares what role it is or what company it is. Like look at it, look at the culture, look at you know, the things that interest you and there'll be a lot of opportunities out there. I think, I think now that we have experience, uh, I think it's more about the looking to work with some people and looking to see how well we can work with those people. Because I believe that if you have a good manager, you're going to be really successful in your career and that you're going to be able to move to the next step a little bit easier than, and uh, doing it backwards. Because if you have a bad manager, I don't feel that you can move forward like, pretty easy. You're going to have really difficult time. You're going to have multiple different challenges just because of the people that is working with you. 
and the people that is around you is how you're going to be moving forward. Because for example, right now I work at a cybersecurity company. For me, I'm working in the tech industry, but in the past I was working at a university. In the past, I was working at other companies where not necessarily they were technical tech companies, <laughs> but they were doing some sort of software. So at the end of the day, <laughs> I feel that every company is going to need computer science guys. And regardless of the experience that you have, I feel that entitlement is not a thing that you have to have because entitlement is just going to, if you want to work as a software engineer, but at the time when you're, where you live, is not a software engineer role, but it's a QA role. I would say just take it and learn and learn new technologies and try to apply as as learn learn as much as you can. Try to build projects, and if that doesn't seems right for you, try to look for another job and try to find something else. Yeah, and if if you're in a role that's maybe not your ideal, like either you loved it at first, but you want to do something different now, or you didn't get the job you wanted or got laid off or whatever and took a role that was available. Like remember that you don't owe a company anything other than what you've agreed to contractually, right? Like <laughs> you can take a different job. You can always be looking just, you know, as long as you're contributing your very best for the company you're working for, uh, don't ever feel guilty about keeping your eyes open and always trying to go to where you really want to eventually, you know? And any good manager is going to encourage that. Like most good managers know that you're not going to be on their team forever. And they're trying to develop you as a person. So they realize that those skills are going to be used for somebody else later, but they trust you to do your best right now. And, uh, yeah. And I think, I think right now that is a lot of layoffs. Is, I think it's a, it's a thing to remember every time because I feel that a lot of people is like, I cannot find a job and it's pretty difficult for me. And like, I understand it. it's challenging. The getting, try to get a job in, in the market right now, it can be difficult just because of different, many different, many different reasons, right? But it doesn't mean that you cannot be open for multiple different roles. If you open yourself for multiple roles, you don't even have to change your resume. You just have to have a way to communicate the idea that you are available and willing to be able to learn. And I feel that that is going to help you way more than just waiting for a specific role, because how many, how many people is going to apply for one role? Like you told me like yesterday, a lot of people, 150 people apply to the position that you apply. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like 150 people is a lot of people. So I would say sometimes we got lucky. And sometimes we we just know what to do to get to those roles. And some other times it's just a matter of see if they are going to be able to contact us because there's a lot of many different steps that you have to accomplish. You have to build a resume. You have to send your resume. At the time that you send your, your resume, you don't know what number you are and you don't know if they're going to call you or not. And if they call you, you are on the next step. But maybe the first 15 20 minutes, they are going to notice that maybe you are the good fit for the company. Maybe not. That's actually, I want to steer into that a little bit, <laughs> what you're talking about, because um, it goes into a little bit what we were talking about earlier, but I was 100% not the most qualified person for this position. Like I know people with more experience, with experience that was more related to the tech stack this company was using, like in that 150 people, there were definitely people that were a better fit. 
right? But for one, my resume was designed by Mr. Andres here. <laughs> and, and, you know, like he let me put my input into what he was doing, but he actually set up like the shapes and stuff. Cause when I tried to make a change, I messed the whole thing up. <laughs> but, um, you know, my, my resume was unique. And then I had been practicing interviews. You know, I had been interviewing five, six times a week, uh, applying for 50 plus jobs every week. And I, I was at least comfortable and I was like, I know what didn't work last time. Uh, and I eventually just was like, I don't care what happens. Like, I'm just going to keep interviewing until someone gives it to me. And I'm just going to say what's in my mind. And that's when I started getting more looks from companies. I actually got hired by two companies. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I left one after had... a week and that was a great manager. Like I accepted the job, but then I told him like I had interviewed for this other one first and their offer just came in late. But I accepted the first offer that came my way because I was desperate and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to get. <laughs> you know, I don't know if someone else is going to offer someone. To it was a good offer. And I, you know, but when no, I told him the situation, you. he, he yeah. understood and he encouraged me. He was like, sorry to lose you, but you know, don't not chase your dreams just from loyalty to these people that you've known for a week, you know? <laughs> so he was one of those good, there are good managers out there. There's bad ones too, but. Um, yeah, but the, but but the me thing just is that, being uh, me, they, yeah, they pick the, me for a culture fit and because my problem solving skills match the way they do things. And, and, the, and the thing is that you, you had to take the job just because you have family, you have yeah. to take care of your family. So you don't know, you don't, you cannot wait months and months and months just to get the job that you want. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, we also are challenging by that because we have, maybe we have savings, maybe not. But if you have savings, maybe you can be like, I can wait for a little bit. But either way, you're the when you see your money going out and going out, and you just no working and not getting the money, it's just it's just something that is always stress me out. And it's just yeah. like I have to work, I have to work. It doesn't no matter what position you're in, like there's yeah. always a limit to how selective and how entitled you can be. At a certain point, you do have to be willing, yeah, to just whatever job it is, just be working. Yeah. <laughs> and as I was saying before, I was just working at a restaurant and, and from that, I, I, I always feel that it's not what I wanted to do, but I didn't have any other options just because it was, I didn't even speak English at that time. So it was, <laughs> it wasn't an option for me to be able to get a software engineer role just because no English, no, no experience, no anything. It means zero opportunities for me. But at the time that that I was that I was able to go to school after a couple of semesters, I get into tech support. Then from tech support, we moved to a different company. Then we got uh, I got you to the Super Lumin, and it's funny because we I moved from instructor to Domo, but I moved to Domo because it was more money for the same type of job that we were doing. But I was pulled by other friends as well, mm. and then I got to other positions just because I was getting interviews and then I get you in and we are been working the same way for, for like the past seven years. So we are been helping each other and we are been helping by many other friends. And I think that's also a good thing that we can say that we have because it's a communication that we have in between, in between the whole group that we are. Yeah. That that's interesting. Like, I don't even know if it was the tech support job as much as the 
the personal projects that I took on in that job and the friends that I made. Just found friends that were also interested in coding and, you know, servers and networking and all that. I think and it was more because we were in the tech industry. Because I mean, I, there, it's definitely a higher concentration of those people yes. in tech jobs for sure. Yeah, because everybody, everybody that you asked, like, they were like, oh, I'm a computer science major, or I'm doing networking, or I'm doing cloud, or I'm doing, I don't know, QA. But they were, like, always looking for opportunities to grow and opportunities to do more in the same field and trying to leverage their experience to projects that we had previously. And we were at tech support. We were, like, we weren't able to do a lot of stuff. But at the same time, we were able to leverage our experience just by building projects, ideas that we have. Yeah. And like some of them were just personal projects, just on our own. Uh, sometimes we found opportunities to build projects. Like like I had a couple that helped me with my workflow to make me faster at my job. Um, connecting with APIs. I did a Chrome extension and all from tutorials on YouTube. You know, like... <laughs> um, the idea is that then I would just take the tutorial and make a few changes uh, to make it mine, you know, to make it do what I wanted it to do. Yeah, like, for example, the tools that I built, just a, a LinkedIn bot, to, just to make sure that I can apply it to 100 jobs in a matter of 30 minutes, <laughs> which it was a fantastic idea because it helped me a lot in the previous day, in the previous job search. Yeah, I, should, I, probably, I don't know why I never had you run that script for me. Yeah, that was uh, that was just funny. It's something that I also discovered on YouTube on the internet. I was like, I'm just gonna try to make it mine. I'm gonna try to learn it the way that they do it, and uh, and I'm just gonna try it for myself. And it was funny because, funny enough, my current job, like I've been in the in this job for like the past two years, and I remember that they asked me like, "How do you find us?" And I was like, "Well, I have a script and I have this." <laughs> I built this and I don't even have an idea who you are just because I just applied to a bunch of different jobs at the same time. <laughs> just know that I'm trying to transition from QA now to DevOps. And I don't know too much about DevOps. I know a little bit of Azure, but I, I, I also wasn't qualified for the job that I applied. And, and after having my, and it was just one interview. It wasn't even two or three different interviews. Mm. And to be honest, I feel that they asked me easy questions. They asked me to show my examples. At the time that I showed them how do I build the automation script, they were like, oh, interesting. I finished the call and they call me like 30 minutes later. <laughs> oh, you're hired. And I was oh, like, I wow, that was the most fast interview that I ever had in my entire life. Well, yeah, there's something to be said for just being calm and being you like answer honestly don't go in there trying to impress don't go in there trying to give a certain impression of yourself just just be real with them like i i wasn't the most qualified but they recognized you know like there's an like i have a real interest in what their company does which is a big deal for them that i would fit in with their their social culture and with their like problem solving culture like just the way i approach a problem with, you know, some that Andres and I share are self-starters. Like, maybe that, to go back to the original question of like, how would you tell people it's easiest to learn a language? It's just to start, man. Like yeah, a YouTube tutorial, they'll show you everything you need to do to just get started. 
and it'll be a simple two, three line script, like make it print hello world out into the command prompt. And that's, you know, you just start one little thing at a time and just always be putting the time in, always be building something, even if it's just small. And I think that's the difference because I think in between, in between, in between you and I, I think the, the difference that we always did, it was working on projects on the side, mm-hmm. even though we were working 50, 60 hours at the structure, we were always looking for projects to do or finding things to do. And I was at a coding bootcamp. I'm not gonna lie, like I already finished my bachelor's degree and I did a coding bootcamp, but I feel that the majority of the projects that I did before, I was able to learn what they teach me at the coding bootcamp and the coding bootcamp, it was an additional um, knowledge and additional uh, things that they teach me to be able to build more things for my resume, for my resume and my portfolio. Yeah. But I didn't mm-hmm. feel, because I, I feel that the, for me, the coding bootcamp, I feel that it didn't help a lot just because I was able to build things by myself. And I feel that the coding bootcamp, it was more like something silly that I did for myself because I just spent way too much money on that. <laughs> gotcha. And the thing is that they get me into the coding bootcamp because the thing that they tell you is that you have, you don't have to pay anything. You just pay 10%, 12% of your salary after you get hired. But what you don't realize is that you're going to get hired and maybe the first job that you have is going to be fifty to $60,000 a year and you're going to give 10,000, 10% of your salary. But the next year, if you decide to go in a different direction and go for a different job, maybe you're, you're, you're going to receive a pay increase and that pay increase is going to be $70,000. So now the 10% that you have to pay is under the 70,000 instead of the 50,000 that you were making before. Yeah. And, and not to say that a, a boot camp is a bad way to get started. Like if you don't know anything about it, you just want to get your feet under you fast. Just know the cost is there. And if you're looking at boot camps, like that's the only way to get a fast launch into the industry, but you don't have the money for the boot camp. Don't feel like you can't do it without because I don't have, I've never been to a boot camp. I don't have a four year degree. I am back in school now, but I'm using the money I'm earning in the field to pay for the schooling that they told me I needed <laughs> to get in, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And definitely, like, for example, for me, like a school, a school university was paid by financial aid because I applied for the scholarships and I applied for everything. Because if it wasn't for that, my job at a, um, at, a, at a restaurant, it will never pay off my school. And, uh, and the coding bootcamp, yes, of course, I decided to sign in with the zero, zero, uh, $0 at the beginning, but it was challenging the next year because even though I was making way more money, I was still paying back 10% of my salary. So it wasn't the greatest idea for me because at the time that I was increasing my salary, every year I was increasing my salary by 20, 30, $30,000 more from what I was making before. So for me, for me, I would say, yes, definitely. If you are in a hurry to be able to learn programming languages, <coughs> to be able to build projects, just go ahead and do the coding bootcamp. But just so you, just please search for the best school that it fits your needs. Not because they are telling you that you don't have to pay anything or because they are telling you that they are the best school because Every coding bootcamp is going to tell you that they are the best school ever. And they're just going to try to get you in. 
and and to be honest it, it doesn't feel fair because you have to have the feeling that is something that you want if you want to start it i feel that free code cam is just going to help you for free and if you have any other expectations try to do free code cam and if you want to go somewhere else and if you feel that you are able to follow projects and to be able to learn the stuff that you learn in free code cam maybe you're going to feel that you don't have to go out of coding bootcamp and maybe you're going to just learn from the internet as you did in the past. But if you really need someone to be able to give you a, a structure to be able to learn, to be able to see how to, to learn and to follow guidelines from other people, yeah, go ahead and do that. But, but thinking that you're going to spend a little bit of money on that. Yeah, definitely walk in knowing it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. Whether yes. it's at the beginning or at the end. And like you said, a $5,000, $10,000 boot camp may be hard to do now, but might be easier than something that's like 10% or 15% of your income later. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think, I, I think it's something that I always recommend to people. And like even community college, like right now the community college, I feel that they are better than, than coding boot camps. And the reason why... It's just because the community college is going to offer you access to Adobe products for free. They're going to give you access to books for free. They're going to give you a lot of access to LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn professional education. Hmm. <coughs> to be able to go one. to courses online and you don't have to pay anything. And then, like you just pay the fee and, and that's it. And even better, community college are going to offer way more scholarships than other universities. And I'm just telling this because of experience, but but one of the things is that if you really are looking for the schools, please feel free to reach out to us and we can give you details and we can give you more information. <coughs> uh, the, the other thing that I want to talk about is it's about the new trends. Do you think AI is going to be able to take our jobs away? Some jobs. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking like sci-fi, artificial intelligence, like <laughs> Skynet or something like that, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But the way it's looking right now, I think some jobs may go away with AI, but it's going to create other new jobs. I don't know if the numbers are all balanced out, but it doesn't worry me too much, I guess, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's the same for me because I think it's more like I feel that we still tell the computer what to do because those are models. Machine learning is just to be able to give models and to give instructions on how to how to search for things faster. Where the algorithm is gonna search for it's gonna do do it differently from what is the from what is doing right now. But for example, ChatGPT right now is okay. It's a good tool if you grab it as a source of uh, not as a source of true, but if you grab it as a source that you need to be able to look for things online, instead of just Googling things, ask questions. But even to, if, if you want to build something, you have to be really specific of what you want to be able to get the results that you want. Because if you just ask basic questions, it's just going to return an output uh, as, as a default, just to kind of give you an answer. But that doesn't mean that it's going to resolve the problems that you have. 
but uh, I feel that I, I try it for myself and I feel that as a DevOps engineer, I was able to ask like commands, like I want to create a cluster, an AKS cluster. And the AKS cluster has to have a specific permissions and it has to be in, be, in behalf of a, in behind of a firewall. And like, it's just going to give me any specifications and it's going to give me all the details that I need to be able to understand what I need to do. And I feel that if you don't know what you're doing, I think it's a really good tool. Because in that case, you can just ask questions. And those questions are going to be giving you those details that you need to be able to understand that information. Okay. But, but I feel that I feel that the new trend of AI is more like a, it's more as it's, it's going to be a really helpful tool, but it also can be a discrepancy for other people that is no is not a, looking for this tool to do in doing the right thing. Because it's going to be a lot of miscommunication in between different fields. And I feel that now to know who's going to be the source of true is going to be a little bit harder than before. Because anyone can submit anything to the internet, to be honest. Yeah, it's true. Like if you think about it, like you look into Wikipedia and sometimes Wikipedia is not going to give you the right, the right solutions or the right answers. It's going to give you what other people is thinking about the topic, but I feel that that can be a problem, a problem in the future because by building AI is the same thing. We build the models, but who is building the model? Who's in charge of the model? And how, how do the person is biased or do the person is just telling the truth or do the person is just trying to code something that is just going to be meaningful for everyone? or that is going to have different ways to communicate things. I don't know. It's just my thought process. No, that makes sense. I guess that's a more developed idea, but kind of a similar thought where it's like, it's going to make some jobs, you know, there's still going to be somebody who's in charge of some portion of this uh, until we have an AI that's smarter than people, in which case, you know, run to a bunker, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's so much something to be scared of is just to make sure you're learning. Like, how do you leverage this to improve yourself and keep yourself pointed the direction you want to go? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I always say like the internet and the technology is just here to help us in such a way that we just have to find the right way to do things. And it's like our kids, our kids are younger right now. And they're looking, and they're, and they're, they are wondering a lot of stuff because they are seeing a lot of things. But it doesn't mean that we are gonna allow it to be able to get to the to the internet fully without without having any type of protection for them. Because it's a lot of a lot of videos that they shouldn't be seeing. It's a lot of information that yeah. they shouldn't be reading, just because it's it can be many different sources. But of course, like. You grab a book, you try to look for information and wondering the stuff, it's good to ask questions. And and by asking questions is how you're gonna find the answers. And I feel that that was a challenging part when when computer science started, like in the seventies, eighties. Like they just create databases just to be able to go to get information. But the majority of information that they were grabbing it was just for specific books. And those books sometimes they were wrong because they were like, it was just one hour or maybe two. 
but that wasn't a lot of information. So they have to grab a lot of books to be able to get the information that they need. And I feel that we are yeah. lucky now because we just have Google and now we are going to have AI helping us a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to see where the world goes, really. Like, because my kids have access to information just at the click of a button that was hard for me to find, you know? Yep. Like, I, I don't know, like, you remember seeing sets of encyclopedias on everybody's shelves at home. Like, everybody had a set of encyclopedias because that, you know, if it's not in your books, you got to wait till you go to a library or something to go get it. Yeah, it, it was. And I still feel like growing up like that, we did okay. We learned a lot, you know? But how freaking smart is this next generation going to be? You know? Yeah, I'm, I know, I'm excited to see, man. Yeah, like uh, my kids, like they just barely touched their iPads when they were four years old, and I felt that they were like clicking, 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 and I was like, well, wait a second. I wasn't like that because I, the iPad for me was when I was 12, 13 years old. Like it wasn't, it wasn't in my early age. How old are you? <laughs> I was. I was when I got my first iPod, I got the iPod. I remember that I got my iPod too when I was 13, 14 years old. No, how old are you now? Um, right now I'm 29. Damn, I keep forgetting how much of a gap there is in our ages. <laughs> yeah, I was like, iPods, man, iPods came out <laughs> after high school. Like, yeah. I was like an adult. <laughs> but yeah, my yeah, kids just pick it up and they know how to like I mean I think of myself as pretty tech savvy. You know, I'm I'm pretty heavily involved in tech now. Mm-hmm. But more than once my kids have like found themselves in a predicament in like some screen I didn't even know existed. And just for the audience, tell us it. Tell tell me your age. Oh 37. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. So thirty seven close to forty. So it's a it's funny how how we transition because it's, it's many people that is even younger than us and they're already in the tech industry. Like They are just yeah. getting 20 and they're just working in the tech industry. Something that we couldn't do at that age. Yeah, I gotta tell you. So, I mean, I guess there were some jobs. I mean, frankly, it was kind of the Wild West when I was younger. Like if you knew anything about code, they would hire you. You didn't have to have a degree. They're like if you can okay. write hello world you know where the command prompt is yes you're hired we will teach you the rest you know because <laughs> nobody knew that shit but yeah um no i i was trying to be a rock star that was my whole goal in life like from high school up till i was almost 30 and i was just doing like i was still in school but i was just doing a business degree like trying to learn and i was in and out like i would drop out and save up money and then go back for a couple semesters um, so I could afford to buy drum sets and guitars and stuff. Stupid, stupid. Um, <laughs> I, mean, it, I don't know. I, it wasn't stupid at first. I, I should have recognized that it wasn't my dream anymore earlier, but anyway, I was doing that. I was doing uh retail work. And then when I had kids, I got into factories cause I couldn't make enough doing retail, like to pay all the bills. And, uh, I took a class. I needed a depth credit so i just took intro to object oriented programming just because i was like if i end up as a manager somewhere i might eventually be managing a team with tech people on it and i want to know what the hell they're talking about 
is to me, it all just sounded like gibberish then. And this is when I was 30. This is six years ago, like third, seven years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I took a tech support job at that age just because I was like, even if I had finished my degree, it wasn't going to be one that helps me get a coding job. Right. Yep. So I decided to pivot, um, got into the tech industry at 30, 31, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> just started learning, man, just kept learning. Cause I, my dreams were something totally different. I didn't know it sounded miserable. Like I watched my dad do it as a, as an engineer. And it seemed like the worst thing ever just sitting in front of the computer all day long, like looking at the same stupid code all the time. Like I wanted to be out walking around meeting people, like doing business stuff. <laughs> and then I yeah. tried it. I sat down in this class thinking it was going to be miserable and I loved it. I just, I just fell in love, man. It was like doing puzzles in my head all the time. And, uh, it, it just excited me. So I uprooted my family. I took way less money to go work tech support. <laughs> like it was rough for a while, but uh, yeah, I yeah, just yeah, kept yeah, kept working good. at it, kept building. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting how how we are as a kids because even uh, when we turn teenagers, uh, <laughs> that we just have a barely idea of what what do we want to do, and and that and that's just that's just funny because that's how we are. And I remember my dad telling me like, oh, you have to learn English because English is going to be the language of the future and, and stuff like that because we were living in Mexico. And he was telling me like, if you learn English, you're going to have better opportunities in the future. And you don't have to worry too much about money because money-wise is going to be way better salaries if you learn, if you know how to speak in English. But at that time for me in my head, it was like, why do I need to speak in English if I live in Mexico? I just need my Spanish. <laughs> and I, I was incurring a lot about my second language. I always watch movies in English and listening to music in English only, but I wasn't paying attention to be able to communicate with my second language. I knew gotcha. I understand people, I understood people since I was younger, but I always, I always knew, I, I kind of knew that I needed to learn English, but it, it didn't hit me until my 20s. And until I came to the U.S., until I came to the U.S. and I was in the airplane and I was like, what in the hell I'm doing here now? <laughs> a different country where I don't know the language. And now I'm forced to learn the language to be able to communicate with others. So at that time, I was like, yes, I'm going to be struggling for a little bit just because I didn't pay attention and I didn't listen to my parents when, when I should. Yeah. Yeah, parents, kids, if you're listening right now, learn Chinese. Chinese <laughs> is the language of the future. <laughs> uh, oh, man. No, I, uh, I, I loved music. I still love music, right? That's never going to stop. But it, I, it wasn't until I had like I was trying to be in a band and have a family and like load up all my gear, go drive out on my weekends, missing time with them. We finally started talking to some A and R reps and uh met some bands that had been successful and listened to their touring schedules and seen what their lives were like where i was like that's not my dream anymore dude like get close enough to really see it and then be like oh that's not cool like i'm gonna ruin the things that i love in my life if i go chase that so i had to find a new dream you know 
yeah, not yeah. quite as powerful as flying to a new country without knowing the language very well, though. That's uh, that's quite a step, man. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's just uh, I, I don't know. I feel that I think the reason why I I decided to travel it was just because I was excited. I see so many people traveling. Of course, by looking at social media and looking at many family members and by always having the idea that I didn't have to struggle too much in here in the U.S. just because I was, uh, I was born here in, in the U.S. And I always knew that I just need my passport to be able to travel. Because if it wasn't for that, I feel that trying to live in a country without, uh, without uh, legal status, it can be really, really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah, that, that could be really tough. Because to be able to get nice jobs, it's it's gonna be like one from a thousand. To be able to, maybe you're gonna be able to make your business and maybe you are smart enough. You're gonna be able to figure it out and you're gonna be able to work in construction and you're gonna be able to figure out a lot of stuff. But you're always gonna be concerned if you're gonna be deported or not. So. It's uh, I've been seeing a lot of family members that are struggling because of the same reason, because of that reason. And I feel that it's not a healthy way to live your life because you're always going to be living by, by thinking that maybe one day you're going to be here and the next day you can be gone. And if you have family, it can be worse. Yeah. So I don't, for the people, if, if it's any... Any person listening to us and try to get excited because they want to travel and they want to do the, they want to start visiting multiple different places or stuff like that. The best thing to do is make sure that you can get a visa or that you can be that you can have a legal status, and feel free to to go wherever you want. Because because without without that information and without legal status. Things can can be really really hard. Yeah, I was thinking about it. You mentioned learning the language. Um, I feel like most of the contractors that the companies I've worked for have hired, uh, various places. You know, Mexico, Brazil. Uh, I mean, India. There's a lot of English speakers, so that one's an obvious one to outsource to, but, but the people who, who know how to speak English, even in those countries, uh, are the ones getting the big contracts. Oh yeah. So if that's the route you want to go, like start your own business. Hell yeah. Like, you know, uh, whatever you're doing, whatever country you're in, you know, you can learn this stuff on your own. Yeah. And, and the best thing right now is that with COVID, I think in 2020, it opened it, the doors were a little bit more open. For yeah. a lot of people that live in different countries, because right now a lot of people is trying to look for jobs and a lot of the jobs here in the U.S., even here in the U.S., a lot of companies are struggling because they cannot find people. So they have to outsource a lot of different projects and they go to India, they go to Mexico, they go to Colombia, they go to Chile, they go to different countries just because this may be cheaper, but it's still good money for that people. Yeah. Like if they if if you speak English, it's just the best thing to do in those countries because you know that the best contracts are you you are gonna be the first in line just because you know the language. 
and it doesn't mean that you don't have to you don't have to know the coding skills or you don't have to have any some sort of tech tech skill, but it's gonna help a lot. Yeah, I've I've also talked to a lot of these contractors that uh, the the people who know how to speak English and the people who know how to speak Chinese. Um, I imagine there's a few others as well, but those are the two that I've heard mentioned that are just like. They're going to get better projects. They're going to make more money. They're going to become leads faster because they can communicate with the, you know, the people where a lot of these contracts are coming from. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, I think all, all this information hopefully is going to be helpful for the audience and it's our first podcast. So we, we should be improving our, <laughs> our resources internally and also we are going to be talking a little bit more about the more technologies in the future. And hopefully you're going to be listening to us. Uh, right now, the plan is to uh, launch this podcast and also have maybe one chat per week and see how it comes and how it's going to be. But hopefully you're going to be listening to us uh, soon. And if you have any questions or concerns or you have any ideas, the send, us a, send us a message. I'm going to be posting where you can send us an email and I'm going to be posting this on YouTube and many different uh, like Spotify and Apple, Apple podcasts and all over the place, just to make sure that you can guys start getting to know us. And if you want to communicate to us, just chat with us directly and we are going to be more than happy to help you in any way that we can. Or leave comments, you know, um, if we're on YouTube, you know, we'll check, we'll check the videos, look for comments and try to talk about what you want to hear about, whoever you are. <laughs> yep. If you want to hear about a specific topic, just let us know. And we are going to be trying to move our schedules and try to talk about the thing that you wanted and that you're excited about. So thank you guys for listening to us. That was, a that was almost an hour, but hopefully we, you are going to meet us uh, one more time soon. Have a great day. We'll. Thank you so much for today. You too, Andres. We'll see you.